Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by his word. God bless. The last number of weeks, we've been focusing around Zechariah 4, verse 6. And I want to read those verses from 6 to 10. And uh, I want this morning, I want you to take in the word because... I thought that um, I had uh, a word that was given last night, and I thought that that was for this morning. <laughs> the Lord says, no, 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 that's, that's for next week. So it's like, thank you, thank you, Lord. And uh, so this word came this morning, and uh, it's a good word. It's a good word. So... The word is this to Zechariah, to encourage Zerubbabel, and they lived, this, at this time it's around 520 B.C., 520 years before Jesus would come to the planet, and uh, the temple work, the building of the temple had, had stopped for about 16 years at this point, 15, 16 years, there is no work being done. And there was the need for a, a, a building of the temple. And this is for us as well. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that there would be a work done on us. That the Holy Spirit would be able to reside within us. When we give our life to Jesus, there is a filling within us of the Spirit. We have the earnest of the Spirit within us and the seal of the Spirit upon us as we give our life to the Lord. But there needs to be a work on us. And we know when we come to the Lord, there are changes that begin to take place immediately. Beautiful changes. And those changes are not changes that we can do on our, on our own, but they are changes supernatural by the power of God, by the finished work of Jesus Christ, his shed blood for us, or his broken body for us, that we can have life. Hallelujah. But there are things that would, would hinder a work being done on and through us. And these things need to be put aside. And they, these things have to be, there has to be changes taking place. But there was a word, Zerubbabel, who was the grandson of the, the last king of Israel before they were taken into cap, captivity. He was the grandson. His father lived in captivity. He was born Zerubbabel, sown in Babylon. He, he was born in Babylon and he grew up in Babylon. And yet he was the grandson of the, the last king and here he is now. We'll see how there was a powerful work done. But there was the opportunity for Zechariah, the prophet, to hear from the Lord and say, Zerubbabel, let me speak encouragement into your life. This morning, I want to speak encouragement into your life. But let me read this passage, powerful and beautiful passage. And I would just say this, do not underestimate the power of 
the Holy Spirit in your life as you would allow him to begin to work in your life as a child of God. If you're not a child of God this morning, before we finish, I want to give an opportunity for you to come to life in Christ. We can know about Jesus, but to be born of God is a completely different thing about knowing about Jesus. So you need to recognize this morning, you can be as religious as you are, and you have no life in you. You know about somebody, but you have no relationship with them. In this case, God Almighty, God wants to do a powerful work in your life. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord for Zerubbabel. The one that's overseeing the building or the building of the temple. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? You obstacle. Who are you? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, totally flattened. The obstacles that are in your life before the power of God can become a plane that you just continue to walk. The things of obstacles in their life, we have to go around or we try to, we, if it's so great, we can't even go around. We can't go over it. And it's like, what do I do? The God that we serve is mighty. You will see that this morning. So before Zerubbabel, you great mountain, you shall become a plane. And he shall bring forth the capstone, the final stone, with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? Just the beginning. Don't despise the small beginning. For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth, that which is of perfection, that which is all-knowing and all-seeing, knowing your situation. God knows where you are at. God knows what you're going through. He knows your situations, whether you believe in him or not. He knows everything about you better than you know yourself. The eyes of the Lord, they scan to and fro throughout the whole earth and they rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. The beginning of the work of the temple, the foundation laid and the plumb line now, the walls are starting to come go up. Don't despise the small things. Today I want to entitle this fifth part of this series, and we've been going on uh, Wednesdays and Sundays. So if you've missed any, any of these, whether it's a Sunday or a Wednesday, go to YouTube and plug in Lighthouse Niagara. It'll come up. Subscribe. There are more than 300 uh, different videos that you can take in over the course of the last number of years, two, three, or three years now. And take it in. So this is the fifth of this Revive series. And I want to call it Resuscitated. Resuscitation. What is resuscitation? 
It's the action or process of reviving someone from unconsciousness or apparent death. The action of making something active or vigorous again. I can remember, I don't know how many of you ever took first aid, including CPR. Uh, any, any of you take? All right, some of you. Uh, I, as a teacher, when I first started off, they needed somebody at the school uh, to, to be certified in first aid and also in uh, CPR. And so uh, being the new guy on the block, it's like, well, sure, Dave, you're, nobody else wants to do it. You got, you got this, man. So I, I went, and I can remember back then, <clears throat> I don't know, uh, they had the, the dummies that were, they're called Annie. And when I took my certification, they, it would measure the force of compression when you're doing CPR, would measure the force of the compression, and if it was too heavy, which would mean a broken rib, you would have to try it again. And I can remember people being there for, for hours after the course was done, attempting to get their certification and having the right number of compressions and the right weight and all of that. I know it's not, I think it's not as, as strenuous as that to, at this time. But <clears throat> back then it was, uh, yeah, it was an interesting day. Luckily, I was able to, to handle it within a fairly short time after receiving the, the, the instruction to get it together. And, and, uh, but the, the thought of knowing what to do if somebody was dying or unconscious, they're, they're not breathing anymore, they're, the heart has stopped beating and you're, you've come across and here you are to begin this work of resuscitation, to bring back life. CPR, what is it? It means, it means cardiopulmonary resuscitation. So the hardest stop, and there is the capability of bringing someone that will die back to life. It's a life-saving technique. It aims to keep blood and oxygen flowing through the body when a person's heart and breathing have stopped. So with the compressions and, and your breathing, you're allowing for the blood. You are basically doing the work of the heart pumping. You're pumping the chest which is allowing there to be a continued flow of blood and every certain amount of, of compressions you are breathing into the, the person's being to allow oxygen to come in so that there's a continued flow of blood and a receiving of oxygen. A heart attack occurs when blood flow to the heart is blocked, but the person is still conscious and not yet in full cardiac arrest. Someone experiencing a heart attack may go into cardiac arrest and should go to the hospital immediately. And CPR can double or triple the chances of survival after cardiac arrest. <clears throat> so the primary, the primary goal of CPR is to keep blood flow active until medical professionals can arrive. <clears throat> I just want to say this. The heart of God is for us to have life and have full, vigorous, abundant life. The heart of Satan is to steal. 
And Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and that you may, that they may have it more abundantly. So I want to look back because over the last number of, of probably the last month especially, the decisions we make today will impact our future. The decisions we make today impact our future. The decisions that were made in the past have impacted moving forward even to this day. And so the last month or more, there's been this realization, we need to make good, good decisions now so that we have good outcomes down the road. We have our, our business meeting happening after service, after, after lunch here. And uh, really encouraging all of you that are, are especially members to be here for that uh, business meeting. It's critical. One thing is we need to have quorum. And we also need to have decisions or decisions made that will impact the future and that, that you would be a part of it. Regarding decisions, as a, as a younger man, uh, I determined in my early 20s to learn from the mistakes of others, to look around me, look at people's lives, and those that had succeeded and those that didn't succeed, those that had progressed, those that didn't progress, those that were, were doing well and were blessed of the Lord, and those who were not doing well that were not blessed of the Lord. And to learn from the mistakes of others. And I, my, my thing was, why should I reinvent the wheel of life? There are many that have gone before me. So I can eliminate making the same mistakes that they made. That's why, we, that's why we have so much of, especially the Old Testament, is to say, let's learn from the mistakes of generations. We're talking about probably 1,500 years, especially, of one generation after the other and the decisions that were made back then. And it's like we can learn today because the human nature has not changed right from the beginning. It has not changed. And we can either have relationship with God or we can have relationship apart from God. It has not changed. The decision very early on by Adam and Eve was to disobey God. They didn't I don't think they recognized and realized the ramifications of their decision. But the day that they sinned, they surely did die. And they were separated from God that same very day. And that, that death was not a physical death. It was a spiritual death which, which caused for there to be separation from relationship with God. So here now we have, it's 536 B.C., a little bit of history, where Israel is as a nation in 536 B.C. They have just completed 70 years of captivity or are coming out of 70 years of captivity. So we know that 
Zerubbabel's father and, or sorry, Zerubbabel's grandfather and his father were both taken in 605 BC into Babylon. And so there was that first wave in 586 BC, uh, the, the, the under a siege of two years, they had sieged the city. All the people had retreated. Uh, those that were still uh, left there after the royalty and all the, the best, the, the brightest minds and, and, uh, were taken, and the young were taken. There was about 10,000 of, of them taken in, in 605 B.C. But in 586, after two years of sieging the, this, this city, this walled city, they broke through and they took the people captive. And so from the beginning of 605 and right through another 70 years to 535 B.C., you have this captivity. The northern kingdom, <clears throat> the northern kingdom of Israel, and just, just a little bit of history here. <clears throat> David, the Psalms were written about 1,000 B.C. Before David, King David was King Saul. Really, God did not want that there be any kings, but that, that God would be, it would be a theocratic rule, that God would rule. He did not really want for kings. But the people, they were looking around at the other nations, and they were saying, well, all the other nations have kings, and we want a king. We want a king. And so there was, uh, even with the, the warning of the, the prophet at that time, hey, don't do this, their choice was King Saul. And you can read of it. It was not a good choice. Now, he stood. It says he stood ahead above every other man. He was a tall man. He was a handsome man. So he was... a. A popular, he was popu of popular choice, but he didn't have a heart for the things of the Lord. And we saw how things ended very poorly. God's choice, even as Samuel went to Jesse, and Jesse had a number of boys, young men. And as Samuel went, he he was going through all of the sons, one after the other, and God was saying, nope, nope, nope. And finally came to, to the last one that was presented by Jesse. He says, you don't have any more sons? You don't have any more sons? Like, this God, this, this does not make any sense. Like, all that are being presented here, all the sons of Jesse are, are here and uh, so how, how is it that not one of them is chosen, you, yet you told me to go to Jesse? And Jesse says, no, there, well, there's one more, just a young lad, probably in his mid-teens, 15, 16 years of age, tending the sheep. As David would come, there was a realization, this is the one that will be the king. In fact... David's of David's kingdom will be eternal. The line of Jesus went 
comes through, from Abraham comes right through David and goes right through to Jesus Christ. There is a day coming where David will once again rule all of Israel. That's going to be cool. In the millennium, David will be ruling the nation of Israel. After David came Solomon, and some of the decisions, we can read of those decisions that Solomon made, and they were not good. In fact, as you read Ecclesiastes, you can say, he, you, he says, all is vanity, all is useless. And he, go, <clears throat> he goes through all the possible things that we can do under the sun. And you get to the final chapter, and Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, outside of Jesus, but I'm talking man. The Lord had given him wisdom. And even with wisdom, you can make the wrong decisions because you choose to go by something else besides wisdom. You can make your own choices even with wisdom, and they're the wrong choices. And you know it's the wrong choice, but yet you go ahead with it, and there's decisions made that impact you in the future. So the decisions that you make at the time impact you for the future. The thing is, we need to make the right decisions. And so Solomon, as he comes to the conclusion of that great experiment, it's a life experiment from a man that had the time, who had the power, and had the money to do whatever he wanted to do. Read it. Not 12 chapters. At the very end, he says, this is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. One day we're going to stand before God Almighty. Everything will be brought to light. That which is good and that which is evil will be brought to light. Fear God and his, keep his commandments. That was the final king that ruled over all of Israel. Because the next king after him, already there was there were things that were happening and so it was broken into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of ten tribes and the southern kingdom of Benjamin and Judah. And around the 720s, 30s, the superpower at that time, Assyria, came and came against the northern kingdom and they took the northern kingdom. And the people, the ten tribes, were taken into captivity and they were just spread all over the place. It was 150 or so years later, and it was because of the decision by the kings to say, we, we are not going to serve God, and God would send prophets. You wonder why? You, you wonder all the prophets that are in the, in the book, starting from my Isaiah and even before with Ezra. And others, but especially from the major prophets, prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. You have the major prophets, but then you have the minor prophets. You have the whole end of the Bible is, is our prophets that are warning. And you might say, why are, they, why are they warning? They're warning about where we stand with relationship to God. And, and the heart of God in the warning is, I want relationship with you. I want relationship with mankind. My heart is for man. My desire is for relationship. And so God is doing whatever he can for relationship. And there's, 
there's either an accepting of that relationship or there's a rejecting of that relationship. The very thing that separated man from God is the very thing that separates us from God today, and that is sin. If you are here today as a believer practicing sin, I'm not saying that we may not sin, but the practice of sin is not a good thing. And I say to you, if you are practicing sin, that you need to repent because the heart of God is relationship. And if you don't repent, what happens is the relationship gets worse and worse and worse. And not because of God, it's because of us. And we say, no, I'm going to hang on to the things of, of sin. And I don't want to be in the light because, hey, I come into the light, I come into to church, and, and the pastor's talking about sin. I want to talk to you. I talk to you about sin so I can talk to you about the solution to sin and to, to you having life, full life now. Not to, not to be dead, but that there's a resuscitation. And so here the southern kingdom, even after warning and warning, Jehoiakim, Zerubbabel's grandfather, was not a good king. He was not a good king. He didn't do the right things. And so even though Zerubbabel, sown in Babylon, gets to a place where he is right with God, but he needs encouragement, and this is where the encouragement comes in Zechariah chapter 4, where the prophet Zechariah says, hey, thus saith the Lord, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, the mountains, the obstacles will be removed. I want to say to you and every single one of you, we underestimate the power of God to change our life. We underestimate what God has for us. We really don't get it, what God has for us. He has good for now. He has good for you and your wife or wives with your husbands. He has good for you and your families. He has good for your, for your children, for your grandchildren. He has good for your clan. His heart is that none should perish, that all should come to repentance. And I want you to know today, don't underestimate, but trust in the Lord and what he would say to you. Because the power of his spirit in us is able to change. You say, oh, the mountain is too big. And it is. On your own, it is too big. But for the spirit of God, it is nothing. It is nothing. Some of you are going through situations. You are exactly in that, that situation. I'm in that situation. I've been in that situation for, for a while. See, I'm the type of person, man, do I like to fix things. I look forward to, I shouldn't say I look forward to it, but there's situations that arise even in church. And there's the, my, my thing is, okay, I'm going to try to fix it. Or this is what the Lord would say, do these things. There are times where there is nothing that I can do. Some of you come to me with situations. It's like, you know what? I can't fix this. Neither can the church. Let's pray. Because there's a God that is able to do the impossible. He is able to do the impossible. He's able to resuscitate that which is dying. 
See, the result of life without God, we're more than needing resuscitation. We are dead. We need to have the miracle of life come. In Ephesians 2, verse 1, it says, And you, and me too, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, that spirit, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. There's a spirit. Listen, we can fall prey to those spirits as believers where we say, you know what, I'm going to follow the ways of, the, the, of this world, the spirit of this world, and I want to do like this world. I want to live like this world, or I want to try as a believer saying, I'm going to hang on to some of these things. It says, before you even came to the Lord, we were sons of disobedience. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience was working in us. We were disobedient. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, or to receive wrath, just as the others. That's life without God. To receive, to go by the, the fulfilling of the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And you think about it, look around you in this world. It's all about what I want. It's what I want. It's, what, it's all about me. It's all about my flesh. It's all about gratifying the flesh. And it is the things of this world. And it's the things of self. And it is inspired and, and, and fueled and continued on by demonic entities that would come and whisper to us. As children of God even. But before, this is... A, we were without God. There is no chance. There is no chance for us to be good enough to make it to heaven on our own. Because we have all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And it says the wages of sin is death. The payment for even just one sin is eternal separation from God. But I thank God at the remainder of that verse, Romans 6, 23 says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That Jesus Christ, you would grab a hold and say, I need Jesus. I grab a hold of his hand that is lifting you up out of the clay, out of the, the situation that is so extreme. And he's saying, I want you to have life, that you would have life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And God is reaching out, and the message needs to go out. The message needs to go out to those that have no hope. Those that are in darkness, those that are apart from God, those that are living in sin. They're living in this darkness, and they're wondering, how do I get out of this? Some of them are, are, are totally ignorant. They don't even know that they're headed to an eternity apart from God. But God, who is rich in mercy, this is Ephesians 4, or Ephesians 2, verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. 
It's by grace you have been saved. It's not by anything we could do. It is by his grace, and we grabbed a hold of that grace. And he's raised us up. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. So we, made, we were resuscitated and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You know what, folks? We have no idea, truly, what is yet to come. We have no idea what is yet to come in Christ. Man, when that trumpet sounds, who knows when that's going to be? I believe it's going to be soon. I think we still have a little bit of time left to do a work, the, the work the church needs to do, a glorious church operating in the power of the Spirit. We still, that's the only thing that I would say that is holding back the coming of the Lord is the fact that the church still has a great harvest to take in. And we would take it in. Oh, man, let's take it in. But what is to come when that trumpet sounds? It says the dead in Christ will be caught up, will rise first. And then we which remain will be caught up to be with the Lord forever. And we will praise him. We will glorify him. I can't wait for this seven years of, 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 of just a, a festival, a supper. I've been, you know that I like to eat. I do. Oh, man. I, I, I love to eat. I'm looking forward to what God has for us. That seven years is going to go by so quickly. There's going to be so much stuff happening during those seven years. There's going to be an, acknowledge, an acknowledgement of each one of us. I just say thank you, Lord, for the acknowledgement. I can't wait for the thousand years, the thousand years where the Lord Jesus will reign physically at his second coming. He will come back. The first part to catch up, catch us up. But the second part to come back, we will come back with him. We'll come back. Read, read Revelation 19. It's like, oh, man, can't wait. Gives a detailed account of what's going to be happening on that day. In one hour, this Israel that has been apart from God for the last 2,000 years has been very few Jews that have been saved. Even to this day, there are, there's less than 1% of the Jewish population that believes that Jesus is the Messiah. They're still waiting for the Messiah. That's why they're going to be caught up. Very, they're going to be duped by the Antichrist, thinking that he's the Messiah. It'll be so easy for them to be swayed. But at the end of that seven years of tribulation here on earth, Jesus is coming back. We with him, and there will be a thousand years of reign before the white throne judgment. One thousand literal years. And we will live as immortals during that time. You say, this is just too fantastic. I just can't wait. Every prophecy that was supposed to be fulfilled up to date has been fulfilled. There's not one single one that hasn't been fulfilled up until now. So the rest that it has not been fulfilled yet is yet to come. I look forward to them. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So it's not by anything we can do. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God pre prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has created us to do some amazing things. Each one of you that, that gives their life to the Lord Jesus and has given their life to Jesus, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, for good things, good actions, good tasks, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Lord, what is that you would have me do? I want to talk about this thing of, of being swayed away from God. We can be swayed from the things of God and turn away as believers. Our heart stops beating. We stop breathing. We need to be resuscitated. Life without God is all about self. It is about envy. It's chasing after the, the, what others have. It's chasing after the idols they serve, being influenced by their demons. Life without God is about selfish ambition. It is all about the things of this world. It is all about what gratifies me. It is all about being deceived, stolen from, being led to captivity, and ultimately to destruction. That's life without God. It leads to a place of confusion, strife, and captivity. It is a wisdom that is not from above. This passage has been on my heart the last while. James 3, verse 13, it talks, and the, the, the subtitle from the, the, the Bible that I'm using, it says, uh, heavenly versus demonic wisdom. Heavenly versus demonic wisdom. James 3, 13 says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, is sensual, is demonic. So the wisdom, if it, it's not coming from above, it's of this world, it's earthly, it's sensual, it's all about self and what gratifies me, what I need or want or I think I need, and it is demonic. These three... It's amazing that the enemy, Satan, does not so much go after our, the things of the spirit, but rather they go, he goes and entices the things of the flesh. It's about the flesh. It's catering to the flesh. That's why we need to be, as Paul says, I need to be crucified daily. Jesus says, deny yourself the flesh, take up the cross daily, and follow me. You cannot follow Jesus truly if you are denying, you're not denying your, yourself and your flesh and what you want. And you're not taking up the cross daily. You cannot follow Jesus. It becomes extremely difficult. It says in verse 16, James 3.16, for where envy, that's what I want, and self-seeking exists, what I want. Confusion and every evil thing are there. Listen, James is talking to the church. He's talking to the believer. He's not talking to the unbelievers. He's talking to the believers. There is the, the possibility of being influenced by the, th the spirit of this world that caters to the flesh and by 
demon entities as believers. I know. I know. Why? Have you ever had thoughts and you say, where did that come from? I had thoughts that as soon as they came, I knew where they were coming from. It was demonic. And so the thought, the, the, as, I, as, as, I, as soon as I recognized it was, man, I need to make a change here because I'm being led astray. I'll tell you, I had a thought, and this was right after being called into ministry. I was called into ministry many years ago, and I had one thought, and I knew right away it was demonic, and I had to make things right, and I made things right. Why? Because the decisions we make today will impact our future. We need to make the right decisions. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable and gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And if that's not me or you, we're in a, we're, our wisdom is not from above. So when I struggle regarding the purity, the peace, peaceability, if that's a word, the gentleness, the willingness to yield, not being full of mercy or good fruits, I'm, I'm being partial, I'm being hypocritical, I know that that wisdom is not from a God, it is from demonic elements. It is not from above. And I need to deal with it as a believer. Satan is viewed as a dragon. In Job, there's a description of the dragon, Leviathan. At the very last, this is chapter 41. This last, the very last verse. Like, because we can look at chapter 41 and say, well, that's just a creature that's in the, in the sea or, or can fly around or is on the land, whatever. But the very last verse of Job chapter 41 says, in summary of this creature, which I truly believe is a summary or a description of Satan himself, says he is the king of all the children of pride. Listen, when I have pride, within me, and I cannot humble myself, I need to fix that. I need to deal with that issue. I need to deal with this. Because the fruit of righteousness, which we all would want, the fruit of what is right and what is good and it, what is of abundance and is of life, is sown in peace by those who make peace. So that fruit, to get it, you need to have peace. If you don't have peace, you're not going to be sowing in the right place. The intention must be, I must have peace. And as I have peace, I can sow in peace by those who will make peace. And the fruit of it will be the fruit of righteousness that is directly from God. Oh, man. Don't you want that? 
Listen, I don't want the wisdom that is from this world. I don't want, do not follow the godlessness, the wickedness, the evil that would, the enemy would put into your heart to say, well, that's what I need. We need to be resuscitated. See, that was the issue all along. They, they had God. They had the view of God. Can you imagine? 40 years in the wilderness, and there was this cloud by day keeping them cool. And at night when the, the temperatures dropped, there was this, this fire, this pillar of fire that kept them warm at night. That went on for 40, almost 40 years. They were being fed from heaven. They would get this stuff every morning. They would go and they'd pick up the manna. This, this bread, it was, it was sweet and they would eat and they got tired of that. They were making all kinds of different things with manna. We want some meat. Give me some meat, Lord. And so he would bring quails and they would come and they'd take the quails and they couldn't have, they couldn't take for two days or three days because it would all go bad. They tried it to store up. They couldn't store up. They had to depend on the Lord daily. And God was with them and they were stubborn and stiff-necked. Listen, that is all about pride. It's what I want. Following the wisdom that is not from above. And they had God there. And that, this generation, they died in the wilderness. Every single last one of them that left, that were over 20, died in the wilderness. Can you imagine having shoes that would not wear out? The shoes didn't wear out. Can you imagine walking for 40 years? Someone say, oh, man, they're still looking good. Oh, man, but, but God, the fad, the styles have changed. I'm still, you know what? Here's what I've come to realize about classic fashion. Classic fashion is exactly that. It doesn't matter what time or era. It's just like, man, that looks good. Don't, don't go by the fads of this, this time in this world. The things of the Lord, they are so good. They are so good. And here God, the entire Testament, Old Testament, is God reaching out again and again, and again, I want relationship with you. We need to look at history because it tends to repeat itself. The decisions we make today impact our future. So don't neglect your salvation. You were saved. Hebrews 2, verses 1 to 4. Therefore, we must give the more earnest or earnest heed. Like, take it, examine what you have heard, to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his, his own will. The things that, came, that transpired from the time that you were saved, you knew, oh my goodness, it is so good to be forgiven. It is so good to have life. So many of you, listen, I grew up in a Christian home. I really, 
didn't I didn't stray and, and, and really experience the world like some of you did. You know much better than I the darkness of, of this world because you were living it. You, you, you experienced it, whether it was in a, a home that was, was not godly and, and not of the Lord, and you experienced it yourself. And maybe you, may, maybe you grew up in a Christian home and then you wandered away from the Lord and there was this thing of, of, of a bondage and a captivity. Some of you have heard say, if I would have continued on in this vein, I would have been dead. I would have been dead. And yet the Lord reached out to you and you were saved. You were given life. Hebrews 3, 7 says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me. They tried me and they saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they will not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, this hardening of the heart to say, no, I'm going to hang on to my whatever. For if we have become partakers of Christ, for we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. When they were, that was a rebellion. For almost 40 years they wandered until the very last one of them was gone. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that he, they would not enter his rest? Listen. But to those who did not obey the wisdom from above. They did not obey. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. God, you can't deal with this. You can't change this. You can't. You can't. You can't, you can't. Yet God continues to reach out to his children to have life, to be resuscitated. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, I've been reading through the, the, the Bible chronologically. So each book chronologically. And so <clears throat> in Deuteronomy 28, it talks about the blessing that his children are to have, and it also talks, there's an extensive part about the curses his children would have apart from him. And these curses, it's almost like chastisement. Chastisement, chastisement. Come on, get it right. Get it right. Get it right. For goodness sake, get it right. And there's a chastisement. It's not even coming of the enemy. It's coming from the Lord, who wants his children to come back to the right place to bless in Deuteronomy chapter 30, it talks about the resuscitation, to be resuscitated. The blessing of returning to God, Deuteronomy 30 verse 1, it says, Now it shall come to pass, when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and he's driven you all over the place, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you to do, 
you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out of the furthest part under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your, father, your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and, and that you may live. Because the heart of the Father is, oh man, I love you. I want to give you life full and abundant and vigorous. God is able to do it. I just, I want to, I want to close with a few, just a few things because we're talking about this time. Let me tell you how great God is. Let me tell you how great God is. If you think, well, I don't know if there's hope for my, my mountain and my obstacle. I don't think God can get me out of this. So you can do life with God or without God. I pray that you would choose to do life with God. Listen to this. So this is 536 B.C. 536 B.C. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the new superpower, Babylon is, is overcome, and Persia is, is now the new superpower, and this king, Cyrus, is king over 127 provinces, extending right through from the Mideast right into the upper areas to Ethiopia and northern Africa. All the, we're talking extensive. Now, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be that it might be fulfilled. This prophet, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. There was a resuscitating, or there was this, this stirring up, the coming back to life, or coming to life. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. He, was, he, he wasn't even in Israel. Israel was, was, was a, a defeated country, no king. And this is a proclamation that went throughout all his kingdom, and also it was put in writing saying, Thus says Cyrus, King of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. He's in Persia, which is like Iran now, where Iraq and Iran is, is, is the old Persia, Persia. That's where he is. And he's saying, I want to build up a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is among all, you of all his people, all you that belong to the God, to the King of kings and Lord of lords, all you among you who are his, his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the freewill offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Give towards the rebuilding of the house of God and those that are going to go and rebuild the house of God. And there is a stirring. 
you wonder why would the king of the, a foreign su uh, superpower make this decree? Let me tell you how powerful our God is. I want you to, if you can make, put this up, Isaiah 45, verse 1. Let me give you a little bit of indication of the time. So Ezra 1, or this decree, went out 536 B.C. 536 B.C. Isaiah 45, verses 1 to 6, or that whole chapter, is given in 712 B.C. That's more than 150 years before. 150 years before. What kind of God do we serve? Is he able to do things that are impossible? Listen to this. This is 100, more than 150 years before. If I could have the worship team come back. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. <laughs> Cyrus means, possess thou the furnace. Uh, you know what? When things get really hot, I can possess the furnace. It's like, come on, give me a break. I can take this, the heat. I can take the heat. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. You might say, what is he talking about here? Do you know how the Babylonians were overcome by the, the Persians, the Medes and the Persians? See, there are two rivers, and one of them being the Euphrates, that ran right into, or Babylon was right there. And so the river, this river, they had it, it, it gated off. So they, they, there was a walled city, and there was a river that flowed, and they might have redirected or whatever, but it flowed through the city. It might have been that it was actually on either side of the Euphrates, I'm not exactly sure, but... But here's the amazing thing. They were overcome. The Babylonians, the, the superpower, the gates that held the city or that would, would uh, uh, the, the water would flow through, but there were gates, these iron gates, so that nobody could swim their way into the city. So the, the gates went right down to the, the bottom of the, of the, uh, of the river. Do you know how Babylon was overcome? Somebody had left the gates open that night, and they came in through the gates. This is, this is almost 200 years before it happened. It was told to subdue nations before him. Cyrus would subdue nations, and in that, that case, the superpower of the time, Babylon, he would subdue that, that, that superpower before him and loose the armor of kings to open before him the double door so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by name, am the God of Israel. 
For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, I have even called you by your name. Before you were even born, I'm calling and saying, Cyrus will do these things. I am the, I am the God of Israel. I have even called you by your name. I have named you, though you have not known me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God beside me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Hallelujah. 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 The God that's, that you that you serve or that you would call out on is the God that is able to take care of, of situations that are so far beyond you. And he's able to take care of them because there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Verse 5. This is what I pray will happen today. A resuscitating. You will be resuscitated. That we will be resuscitated. That the things that we thought, well, they can't be done. Let me say this. There are things happening right now. I don't want to take more time. There are things happening right now that are being put into place. This past week, I've had meetings. The last month, I've had meetings with different people and different groups and different leaderships. God is doing a work in this this area he has heard our prayers over the decades for the last almost 60 years there has been prayer that's gone up for this city and even before and God is saying I have heard those prayers and I'm going to do a work that within us that we would not allow any obstacle to keep us from being of the Lord Then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin, the southern kingdom, the ones that were in would be in captivity. So Isaiah is prophesying over a hundred years before the Babylonians would come and take them. At this point, the Syrians were the superpower, not even the Babylonians. He says, Then the heads of the fathers of the houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites with all whose spirits God had moved or resuscitated, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is, is, which is in Jerusalem. Can we stand together? Jesus, when he came on this planet 2,000 years ago, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon, was upon Jesus 2,000 years ago. That same Spirit desires to be upon us, to overflow. So this morning, if you are not, if you are not in the right place before the Lord, I want you to humble yourself and you come, come. If you don't know the Lord, come. 
If you're not in the right place before the Lord, come. The Lord wants to do a work right now to resuscitate you, to take care of your situation. Do you have an impossible situation? Come. Maybe you're in a, in a place where you say, you know what, I know about God, but I don't know Him, really. I've not been born of God. I'm not a child of God because He's not my Father because I haven't received Jesus. I know about Jesus, but I haven't received Jesus. As many as received Him, to them He gave the power to become the children of God, even those that believe on His name. I receive Jesus Christ. I want you to, if you would come here to have resuscitation, to have a resuscitation. And maybe you say, well, you know what? I've given my life to the Lord. And I, I've, man, I need a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit in my life. Come, receive this moving. Let me read it again. Then the heads of the fathers houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all, also with all whose spirits God had moved arose to go up and build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. Maybe you're at that place. Man, I need to have things have become stagnant. I need to have a rebuilding that the building needs to continue. The things that the Lord has for me needs to continue in my life. Come, come come hallelujah 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 come is there anybody is there anybody some of you the Lord is stirring by his spirit come 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 I'll tell you you are not in a good place you are in a tough place you're saying how can I get out of this I'm telling you come come you're saying, how is it going to continue on? I'm depending on the things of man. I'm depending on my own capabilities. I, I'm just hoping that everything will work out. I'm telling you to come. That there would be a stirring and a filling by the Spirit of God. Come. If you're up on top, come. Come on down. Come to the altar. Hallelujah. Because the Lord wants to bless you. The Lord wants to resuscitate you. The Lord wants to give to you life, vigorous and overflowing. Yes, Lord, I want that. If you want that blessing to come, that stirring, that quickening of the Spirit, come. For those that have come, come right to the front. There might be others that will come in behind you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you need life in your, in your family, in your relationship, come. If you need life, come because the Lord wants to do it. If you need breakthroughs in your family, maybe it's not you, maybe it's your children, come. <clears throat> maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your brothers or sisters, come. And when you come, please come to the front so that others can come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want all of us that we would pray this prayer for those that are coming Either they didn't know the Lord and they're coming to the Lord or they're getting back to the Lord. That we would say this prayer at this time together. Let's say it together. Jesus, you want to give me life. And I want life. But I have been apart from you. My ways have separated me from you. My ideas my desires 
have separated me from you. My sins have separated me from you. But Jesus, you died for me. You took all my sins. You took all my burdens. You took all my obstacles. You took all my mountains upon yourself so that I can walk across a plain that has no obstacles or anything that would come in the way you will take care of for me and for my family for those that I love and for the stranger fill me with your spirit that I can be a mountain mover my life will be blessed and my children's life will be blessed and their children will be blessed and their children and on for generations for all eternity let it be in Jesus name hallelujah if you said that prayer especially if it was for the first time that you would get to a place of closeness with the Lord we want to give you a Bible we want to give you some material just to, to get you started please see me or one of the elders I want blessing in your life I want for blessing in your life Let's sing. Let's sing this song. Receive it. Receive it. Hallelujah. 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 Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.